0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison.
1: I'm Adam Pranica, and today we're not just embarrassed, we're also drinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's driven us to drink. Uh... Yeah, I'm having a, a mezcal. How about you? Uh, I am also having a mezcal. <laughs> the only Oaxacan Star Trek podcast. It's true.
1: We're really trying to break into that uh, that super valuable Oaxacan demo mm-hmm. uh, for sci-fi fans.
0: Yeah, there's just a huge, huge pie wedge that hasn't been hasn't been pandered to yet, and we're here to do it.
1: I'm excited to do a a deeper dive into alcohol as we witness any kind of drinking at all occur uh, yeah.
0: on the show, because we haven't really seen that yet, have we? I think the only time I can think of is uh, when Lwaxana Troy blessed us with her presence.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was drinking too. It's a with you can't find it within yourself. Just stand up, tell the truth. You don't to wear that uniform. So we've got season one. Episode 24, will always have Paris. Ben,
0: have you ever been to Paris? Uh, I have. I suspect that the set design department has not. <laughs> city of broad shoulders, right? <laughs> the city of pastel hues and badly painted backdrops. This uh,
1: episode did not make me want to go. I've never been. But uh, No. Good lord.
0: Uh, so we start with uh, some some more of the same bad scoring as the last episode, bad music. And what's going on is that the Enterprise is traveling through some sector and Picard is doing some some fencing practice with a very handsome gentleman who I don't think we'll ever see again.
1: I thought for a moment it was Jake.
0: Oh yeah, like the, older Jake. The
1: further grooming of Jake.
0: Yeah. I thought maybe uh, it, it. I thought it was maybe the guy that he took on the holodeck in his uh, in his detective novel episode.
1: Oh right! But, but then right. I,
0: I realized it wasn't the same actor, and I was like, "Oh, that guy recovered from a bullet." Nope, different guy. You know? Are uh, we
1: sure that this is or isn't a holodeck program, or do you think they have a full fledged fencing, uh, fencing setup gym? like in real life on the Enterprise?
0: I don't know. We we definitely see this again because there's a there's an episode where he fights Whoopi Goldberg with a sword in there. Right, right, and she's uh, great. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess. Yeah, you you sort of wonder if they have the ability to make a hologram of anything. Why they would have any specialized rooms at all?
1: Right. Right, uh, and not only specialized rooms, but. Any other rooms, period. Like, you could do all your science shit in a holodeck science room.
0: If the whole whole deck of a ship was just a huge holodeck, you could subdivide it any way you want. You don't need to have walls even, you know?
1: Yeah, that's real efficient, open concept office building shit right there.
0: That's what buyers are looking for. They like curb appeal, open concept, location, location, location.
1: I think they've really fucked up the whole building of the Enterprise, given... Given what we're talking about here, like they're not going to be able to resell it for very much. No, with all no. these with all these hard walls. Yeah, those are load walls. bearing.
0: You know, those are not going to be cheap to take out. You're going to have to put in a beam.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just try. You just try getting the opinion of a federation contractor in there when he yeah. starts poking around.
0: Unless you got the property brothers or someone in there to uh, to work with you on this, you're you're just going to have a tough time. You know. But, anyways, uh, as they're fencing, this effect happens where they're like saluting each other with swords, and it and it like doubles up in time. And they both sort of notice that something weird has happened, Picard and his opponent. And so, Picard uh, wipes some of the sweat off his brow and goes over and radios up to the bridge and ask ask what the fuck. Picard to bridge. Captain, number one. Did something unusual just occur on the bridge? And Riker says, "Yeah, we're 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 feeling it too, man. You better get up here." So Picard uh, bombs up to the Did bridge. Did you feel that?
1: Oh yeah, I felt that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, is this was that good for you too, Riker.
1: <laughs> Picard, in his sweats, rolls up to the bridge. <laughs> yeah. which is I think which a very
0: weird is, sparkly sparkly s- sword fighting uniform.
1: I think it's a pretty hot look. You know, yeah. like why not take it easy? I think it's a little bit of a precursor to the whole uh captain in jacket look that we get. Uh yeah. in in I don't know, like season five or something. He's he's got the suit jacket on.
0: Definitely. And I think that whenever like when we see Picard out of uniform, typically we're going with a real deep V. Like he likes to show a lot of chest. Or shirtless. So this, is, this is a this is an occasion where he's a little bit more covered up, which I, I think is good, you know. Right. Right, just, to, just for variety I'm not trying to slut shame him or anything
1: no no you you wouldn't do
0: that no I'm very I'm very, I'm very Picard sex positive <laughs> <laughs> so the captain's on the bridge and they start to get a distress call right and this is coming from Paul Mannheim and it's a it's a tape it's not it's not a live distress call but uh this uh immediately Puts Picard in a mood and Troy is picking up on it big time and um, he says like lay in a course like we got to go figure out what's going on here and as uh, as he's like heading off the bridge to go uh, put on put on his real uniform Troy stops him and says, like, hey, like, why don't we dip into your office for a second and just talk about all of the huge feelings that you just had? And he said, no, 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 no. you can you can say this out in the open. <laughs> and then he immediately regrets saying that to her. Yeah, jeez, Because <laughs> she really puts his shit on blast, like right in front of all of the bridge crew.
1: Pretty much the worst thing that can happen to you is when Troy... Uh, gives you a zip, and it's like, hey, can we talk about uh, about what you're feeling?
0: Yeah, it's like a teacher saying, stay after class. Like you're right. not going to be able to focus in that class because you're just going to be wondering what's going on. Yeah, the whole time.
1: Yeah, that that moment ends up being a little more benign than is than is sold because uh, Picard immediately clams
0: up as soon as yeah. the
1: conversation starts. What's like, like? Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, but he's lying to her, and, and that's evident. And that's, like, maybe not what he wants to be, like, the kind of airs he wants to be putting on around his staff, you know? Right. Like, ooh, Picard's got a secret. It's not, like, what you want the people that work for you to be thinking.
1: Yeah. So the backstory here is this this Dr. Mannheim guy
0: uh, was ejected. This is, like, the third or fourth, like, nutty scientist with a German last name that we've sure. encountered. <laughs> not related to Mannheim Steamroller, I was disappointed to find no, out. Oh yeah. His, his Christmas album is not anywhere near as good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's another it's another uh another shamed and and kicked out science figure uh who's whose experiments were deemed uh, either unsafe or unauthorized or, or dangerous by the federation and like like Nuni and Soon just goes off and finds a planet somewhere to conduct his experiments
0: in privacy and that's And in his case a planetoid
1: right right which is a real piece of shit looking planet
0: yeah. I didn't hear that the first time so when when they pull up to it and it's like it's kind of like backlit when they when they show up because it's in orbit of a binary star. I was like, "What the fuck is this? What yeah. where are they?"
1: It's like something you dig out of a cat box. It's not looking great.
0: Yeah. I thought it was like a mistake. I I like I literally wrote in my notes, "What the fuck is on the view screen?" <laughs> <laughs> but so there, there, there's going to be like a couple hours before they get to where Mannheim is at, and Picard decides to take a little trip down memory lane while they're en route. And so what he does is he goes and hits up the holodeck and has it create a program to simulate Café des Artistes uh, before he left uh, several years ago. And uh, I guess he, he spent some time living in Paris before he uh, took a commission as a starship captain. And, um, he, he goes into this simulation of a cafe that literally doesn't look, it looks like the set design department not only has never been to Paris, but has never been to a cafe. (laughs) Like it is such a, it's like, I don't know. It's like the dining room in a cruise ship or something, but it's supposed to be in Paris.
1: Yeah, great call. Like it's, it just feels a little off. It's like a, it's like a Disney Paris situation. Yeah. But literally, the only, the only thing that betrays its location is, uh, is the mat showing the weird-looking version of the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> with a, with, with some sort of subway tube, uh, yeah, crawling underneath it, and the French-sounding accordion music. I guess future accordions look like cow milkers that you just sort of (laughs) stroke, like like you're (laughs) masturbating them. Yeah. I couldn't take my eyes off of the new accordion guy. Like, he was just walking around jerking it, jerking his accordion music onto everyone.
0: Yeah, get that thing away from me, man. (laughs) I know this is Paris, but come on. Yeah, geez.
1: God, do they have to sexualize everything?
0: well uh no sooner has that sexual innuendo happened than two young young women sit down and one of them is uh complaining that some boy isn't there to see her and her friend leaves and uh the one the one that's left is uh basically as naked as it's legal to show somebody on t v like she <laughs> is she is in a very revealing uh bit of costume, and she asks uh Picard, if she reminds him of anybody, and we sort of start to pick up on the fact that uh, long ago Picard had sort of a uh, sort of a fling in Paris, and the the woman that he loved, and he did like had a missed connection on Craigslist, and at this cafe. You think I Craigslist think, will still exist in the twenty fourth century?
1: I don't know. I thought I found this scene. Uh, really insincere and fake. Maybe the most science fiction scene that we've we've ever come across on the show because these are supposed to be French people, and here they are greeting a stranger like in a friendly manner, right. and uh, and not ignoring them or, uh, <laughs> or or getting upset that they aren't speaking the language. Right. I don't know. We- I- that was a that was a leap too far, as far the as spending language my disbelief. The French? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, this this season has already doubled back on French being an ancient language that nobody has heard of. The
1: first duty of every officer is to the troop. scientific troop, or troop, or personal troop.
0: They get to this facility, and, uh, what is it called? Vandor 4?
1: Something like that? Oh, I. you know what? I don't even write down the weird names of the planets anymore in my notes. I just...
0: Man. Does it really matter? Are we yeah. making a map here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we can't rule out that somebody at home isn't. Anyways, <laughs> Vandor 4 is this planetoid in a in orbit around a binary star system. Seems like a real intense, hard place to live, and there's... A couple of facilities. One of them is totally trashed. There's only two survivors uh, left on in the other one. And they finally make contact, and a woman is on the view screen. And Picard declines to identify himself. In fact, he's almost going to identify himself, and he doesn't. This is Captain. This is the captain of the USS Enterprise. Yeah, this is the
1: first instance of some real background acting happening, too, because when he fails to do this, I think you you get a close up of jordy and data like uh what? uh, uh,
0: but, uh, but, uh but, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh so they uh so this woman drops the shields and they beam and i guess dr Mannheim is is you know in rough shape so she drops the shields and they beam them to sickbay and uh dr crusher starts to go to work on dr Mannheim, who is uh, in a bad way. Like, he looks all right, but he's convulsing and delirious. Like he looks like evil John Lithgow. Yeah, oh, that's a good call. Or like John Lithgow's evil younger brother. Or right, something. yeah. Yeah, sort of bald. cliffhanger era John Lithgow with a goatee. Wouldn't this episode have been amazing if they'd gotten John Lithgow? Yeah. I think that that might have been what what really broke this episode and made it so forgettable and dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean we we hear a lot about the Mannheim effect as it yeah. pertains to uh, to what he's what the character is going through, but God, the Lithgow effect I think we can agree serves to make every show better. Anything yeah. that he touches, I find is better.
0: It's so entertaining that guy. Yeah. So uh, so the other person that they have beamed up is Janice, who is. Uh, the lady that Picard had his Craigslist misconnection with back in Paris, and she is really like delighted to see him, uh, despite how nervous he is and uh, reticent he is to kind of open up to her emotionally.
1: Yeah, um, she she just drops power moves all over him. Like, yeah, she she plays him like like one of those
0: cow milker accordions on the holodeck. Like, totally. Like, you like, know, and this is the first time it's the first like if like when you talk about like status uh, in in character development, like this is something you talk about in improv all the time, like which character has what status mm-hmm. in a scene and like your body language plays into it and stuff. I think this is the first time that Picard's status has been really noticeably below another character that wasn't a an admiral or something like that. Right. Right. You know. Like, he's the fucking boss all the time. And suddenly his... he Like, it's great. Like, he, he's, like, nervous to be around her. He's, like, he doesn't quite know how to play it. She's, like... She's so blithe. She's like, ha, 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 Picard. It's so great to see you.
1: Who else would have charged to my rescue? Because she's totally free. And, yeah. in, you know, the thing that plays off of that is Picard is utterly not. He's surrounded by people he wants to keep a secret from. Yeah, uh, He's got this Dr. Mannheim guy who we figure at this point in the show is like the guy he lost her to like everywhere he looks he's seeing like threats to his his leadership in totally. in different ways and so that conflict
0: is super acute for all of that acuteness uh i found the depiction of Janice. it's sort of a
1: meat acute isn't it
0: oh boy all right, I'm gonna, that, I'm gonna. I think turn that uh, off the show every now. every dad joke that I've ever made on this show has just been has just been nullified by that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd like to apologize
0: now. Yeah, what I was gonna say is that for all of the interest that there is in in the way Picard's character is going through this episode, I found it to be just like a stridently sexist depiction of this character Janice. I mean, she's like such a bimbo and she's like she's been living in this science colony for you know a remote science colony with nothing but scientists and they're like what what was dr Mannheim working on she's like i don't know i'm just a i'm just a girl oh really i didn't get that from her oh man she had nothing nothing to tell them about what was what was going on and like they had like every time they had to get a piece of a piece of information about this time distortion that is going on, they had to, like, revive Mannheim. She is useless. All she's there for is to be an object of Picard's affection. And- I don't
1: know. I guess I just assumed because she was the object of affection from a person like Picard or Mannheim that she had something more to offer than just that. I found her to be sort of a... Like, she was sort of Michelle pfeiffer a little bit. Like, I, she always... It always felt to me like she had something going on, even though she never demonstrated that. And I guess maybe that's just me projecting uh, onto the character in a way. But I don't know. Like, would she? Would she be there if she didn't have
0: anything? Well, man, I just i i, I didn't like it. I felt like yeah, you know, I, get that. I, I think that there's I think that there's definitely examples of women in history who have been. Sort of cowed out of their husbands' intellectual worlds, and have you know, and and like her her backstory is that she's been kind of isolated on this on this planet the entire time, and like essentially fallen out of love with her husband because he's so devoted to his work. And I think that's realistic, but I just oh don't yeah, like, I think we both I, I, we like both we're, trying to, that we're trying remark. to look at uh, look into a future that's you know hundreds of years from now in which all of these ailments of society have been solved you know sexism racism hunger want all of that has been eliminated and this is like an ideal society and yet this woman is like unable to have a like she she has no agency in the in the fact that like if her life is so miserable on this planetoid she should leave and if it's and if it's not like she should make friends or get involved in the research or or something you know she should join a club she has she has uh, she has as much agency as anybody you know like like one of the premises of this show is that sexism has been defeated and i don't uh, this character this this plot completely completely obliterates that i think i don't know i'm really getting on my high horse we should just get No you to... n- you're
1: not but i felt like in within the confines of the story she thought she was getting something that she didn't end up
0: getting yeah. by
1: the end like i think but she should have just many... been like fuck you
0: guys i'm taking a i'm taking a runabout and i'm going back to earth
1: yeah but there is no runabout she's on the planetoid and everyone's <laughs> dead like you don't think they brought a runabout i don't think so damn it i don't know she was probably excited for an adventure on the planetoid and she thought she was going out there with a husband who loved her i think yeah. you see this you see this in real life all the time. Like yeah. like you you think you have a future ahead that's going to be one way and then uh, it just ends up not living up to your expectations. I don't think that that is a necessarily sexist outcome. It's depiction could be though, which yeah. I which I'm well, guessing here... is your is your main issue with this character. Yeah.
0: Here's hoping that she had a holodeck to retire to and a lot of uh a lot of the the Riker collection of hollow programs to uh enjoy herself in i imagine the uh
1: the box cover to the Riker collection is like hot pink cursive yeah like, no uh, it's it's like exactly neon. like
0: the sex in the city d v d binder that my yeah. wife has it's like it's like it's like hot a hot pink like velvety cover with the with the with the words inlaid. Oh man, I think I think we have a new T-shirt idea, Ben. <laughs> the Riker collection.
1: <laughs> Let's put that on oh, the list. This is becoming
0: a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. I'm hmm. entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Basically, all that happens in this episode is that there's these time distortions that keep happening on a sort of regular basis, and they find out based on communication with other parts of. Starfleet that they are happening across thousands of light years and what what they are are the Mannheim effect which is that two timelines will coexist in the same space so it's like when your Christmas lights are synced up to the music yeah that is also
1: the Mannheim effect
0: yeah at one point like Picard, Data, and Riker I think are like gonna go get on the turbo lift to do something and the doors open and Picard, Data, and Riker are standing there and they're like whoa that's us from a couple seconds ago crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah what's interesting
1: is that both versions are aware like it's not just a replay from a couple of seconds ago they can interact yeah. with them
0: yeah they're like what are you guys doing here <laughs> high five you guys are looking good
1: what would have happened if they touched each other would that have been a uh like what is that thing called god you can have to edit so much of this The thing when uh, if you go back in time and you meet yourself and you touch Mm. yourself, it causes a a temporal...
0: A a temporal rift? Yeah. Like a rift in the time-space continuum?
1: How close were they to destroying the entire universe in that moment?
0: Yeah, man. And just think about what would have happened if two Rikers had gotten together.
1: You know, it's a real
0: missed opportunity. Like, this is ostensibly a time travel
1: episode in a Mm -hmm. very small way. And this is what they do with it. Like... God, it's,
0: it could have been so cool. I feel like we say the phrase missed opportunity in every episode talking yeah. about season one. Yeah, well put. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic, so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic not hypnotic, hypnotic.
1: You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm and the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support don't settle for being another company's product be your own product with a website that's all you with squarespace Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES. To save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, that's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before, I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace,
0: topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast secretly incredibly fascinating find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app and at maximumfun.org Mannheim uh wakes up long enough to kind of give some some brief explanation that uh, his experiments were involving gravity and time and universes, and he's going to give them some codes to to uh, get around the defense mechanisms inside the facility. But he's really fucked up. Like he's he's like kind of barely aware of his surroundings, and I guess he's like drifting in between time timelines or something. So he's like. He's really having a hard time focusing on helping them. All he's able to basically explain is that there's an experiment that's sort of still running and it's running amuck. And the only way to stop this time crisis uh, is for data to go down and, uh, and shut down the experiment. Or I guess he, yeah, he doesn't say data. Picard picks data because data like isn't confused by this like everybody else is.
1: Right, he's somehow going to be more impervious to the mindfuck that's that's got Mannheim all messed up in the in the sick bay. Like he'll right. be able to go down there and figure it out, which uh, which he shows he demonstrates the ability to do. He beams down there, he gets through their weird defenses. Yeah, I mean, there's a scene here where uh, where Data dodges some laser fire.
0: Yeah, fun. Always fun to watch.
1: They do that thing that I love, which is uh, stunt stuntman dives behind a wall and then real actor appears uh, from behind to show the face. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, clearly not an actor, super fit, like different body completely, like jumping on a tramp- trampoline behind, <laughs> behind some barrier. And then there's yeah. Brent Spiner peeking around from the side. So great. <laughs> so, so the way that Data needs to shut down this experiment, when he finally gets there, he sees that uh, there is there's a big pedestal and there's a bunch of mirror looking things.
0: Yeah, uh, I in thought the this whole scene was really cool looking. Like the, all of the security stuff looked cool. The time rift ex- itself is a cool effect.
1: The door I mean, made of fluorescent light tubes that was yeah, fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, good and, setup uh, here. And, and and like Data's like patching the hole is you know he has to like use this this gripping arm to pick up a canister of antimatter oh, and carry it. That was it. the
1: worst, though. That was like an old person's reacher-grabber tool. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that was for Grandma to, to get a can from the top shelf of her pantry. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, well, you know, let's let's just hope we never have to have our grandmas fix uh, temporal rift problems. Yeah. So, um, uh, So,
1: as we... We might have predicted uh, data's time kind of gets blown apart as he gets close to patching this rift. He's, yeah. He splits into two other people, and they're yeah. all talking to each other. they're like, "Well, which one's the guy? Which one needs to do this?" Yeah. And, uh, and of course, it's the one in the middle.: Yeah, middle data. <laughs> Middle Data uh, hops up the steps, drops the little canister out of the reacher-grabber tool,
0: and he seals the rift. I thought this was fun. I I had so much fun watching this scene. This this scene stole the show for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And Data just, like, he always has, like, the best action scenes because they can really go crazy with, like, what he's capable of doing.
1: They only have one stuntman, and it looks like Brent Spiner, so they gotta (laughs) use him. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's pretty easy to make any stuntman look like him, though, right? You just put the weird grease paint all over the face and then.
1: You stick him in the tan booth, set to yeah. green. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I guess fixing this rift is uh, is good enough to get Mannheim back on his feet. And he and uh, Janice are very appreciative of the uh, whole Enterprise crew for their help. And uh Mannheim apologizes to Janice for having been so so laser focused on his work all these years and I guess like the Federation is gonna help them get their experiments back on track after everybody else died. And he's like,
1: Oh yeah, I'm ready to get back down to the planetoid and, and continue this very important work and you yeah. can see the light in Janice's eyes just sort of die once again. <laughs> like like they gotta go down to that fucking planetoid. Yeah. It was it was sort of tragic to me.
0: Yeah. I mean Mannheim is doing a classic abuser line on her where he goes like it's going to be totally different this time. I promise. Like right. I'm going to I'm going to be better. You know. Yeah, I just uh,
1: need to keep working. Yeah. Stop bothering me.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you knew when you married me That I was a cop first and a husband second
1: <laughs> It's like when your wife wants to go have dinner with some friends And you're like, not now, I'm recording a Star Trek podcast <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly like that, Adam Yeah but I think, but, uh, I think before, we can understand Mannheim's deal <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I really identify with that in a lot of ways yeah. <laughs> Before we go, Picard, uh, takes Janice to Café des Artistes in, uh, Holodeck, Paris. And, uh, they one more time, uh, relive this, this moment from the past before Picard stood her up to go ship out and be a, be a starship captaining adventure man. And, uh. It's weird to me that there that was a
1: choice, you know? Right. Like, like, we sort of glossed over a little bit of this backstory, but, like, there was a fork in Picard's Road where he gets to have the woman of his dreams at the time, or he gets to go be a starship captain. And he's like, I'm going to go be a captain. See ya. Yep. Like, he could not have it all. Even in the future, Ben. He
0: yeah. He can't have it all. He should have leaned in. Yeah. That's where he we went wrong. Yeah. So, And then the last scene is like one of these ones where they try to sort of end it on a light note where they're like, oh, now we're going to go do shore leave. We're going to this planet. And there's some great place that serves blue drinks uh, across from the other thing. And they're all trying to remember the name. And Picard goes, it's called the Blue Pirate Cafe. And you're buying. And it's like, ding 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 Like Picard is a jokester. It's a very weird moment.
1: It's weird, especially because it comes right on the heels of Picard basically reliving his worst heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. In spectacular fashion. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'd be in the mood to party at that point. Like, oh, I think man. I'd want to go be alone. Yeah. I'd want to have Wesley uh, beat me
0: with fencing swords. Blue drinks are only for when you're having the most fun.
1: Yeah. Ask any... 40 year old double divorcee in (laughs) Vegas. And they'll tell you. Yeah. The blue drinks the jam. Not to make excuses for this episode, but (laughs) you might not be surprised to learn that this was written in five days. Because this, this, uh, The production schedule butted right up against a significant writer's strike. So uh, they got this script that was hatched in five days and they started shooting and they very quickly realized that uh, they didn't have an ending, several parts were missing, it was super fucked up. It was one of those, like, I know you know the feeling of getting to a set and you realize like we don't have the materials we need to actually make something here it's yeah. it must have been terrifying so what uh what the producer and the VizFX guy did is they called the writer Hannah Louise Shear they called her up and they're like look this script is fucked <laughs> we we need to like we need some pages here and you need to help us and she's like Fuck off. Like, we're in the middle of a strike. I'm not going to cross the picket lines. Like I'm no scab. Yeah, seriously. And so they're like, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write this over the phone, me and Legato, and you just tell us whether you think this dialogue works for you. (laughs) And she basically yes-knowed the stuff that Berman and Legato were pitching over the phone. So wow, and that in was a, fucking in,
0: charitable of her
1: I know, I, I completely agree Like that sounds like a pretty sketchy end around of the strike But that's how they ended up getting a completed script And, and having something shootable But, I mean, once you know that bit of trivia I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the slapdashedness of the story makes a lot of sense Sure
0: Kind of strange hmm. What did you think of it? I mean, like, I, I think that in the last episode, neither of us remembered this episode. I think yeah. that when, when we press stop on recording this, I will forget this episode. I
1: like, never want to see it again. No. I think you could really put this on the Mount Rushmore of worst Star Trek episodes that we've yeah. seen. And and I don't know what kicks it off if it can't be top four. <laughs>
0: It's like, Code of Honor and this are 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 a lock, and then there's like seven or eight other episodes from this season competing yeah. for the other two spots. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know what could possibly knock it off. It was pretty bad. Did you, as you were watching, uh, find a drunk Shimoda? figure in this episode Incredible.
0: Drunk Shimoda! yeah you know I mean like it, this is one of those ones where like almost everything is a drunk Shimoda yeah but uh I, I'm gonna say just just to like because this episode like really needs needs a hand I'm gonna give everything the benefit of the doubt and give it to Picard as a character uh, because you know his whole, his whole backstory with Janice is that he dithered around and was supposed to meet her at the cafe des artistes. And it was supposed to be this like big romantic moment. And he, he no showed her, he stood her up. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's such a, such an insanely dick move in a highly connected intercommunicative world. Like he lives in, you know, like like it's so much more advanced than cell phones, as we've talked about. You can just say Picard to Janice, yeah, and yeah. she will she will be receiving you loud and clear. And and like he completely ghosted her. Like it's just such a drunk Shimoda move.
1: Yeah, I think I think my pick might be Janice, the the other side of that coin. Because why isn't she really mad at him for that? <laughs> like they had a future planned out together they were they were going to do the thing right. and then he goes sir never sees her for i don't know how many years have passed and she's oddly really happy to see him i mean setting aside the fact that she has saved her life and the life of her husband but i would have expected a little more attitude out of her over that that initial letdown and there just sp- wasn't like she was more than willing to to uh to flirt with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, and especially considering the the fact that she is the type of girl who will go on a fucking on a fucking planetoid for 15 years. Yeah. Because of who she married, you know? Like she's down to sit in the captain's quarters reading a book, you know? She's... There's no reason they couldn't have been together and he, you know, like there's plenty of commissioned officers in Starfleet that have civilian spouses.
1: Yeah, and she is she's like objectively attractive like she is not she's not planetoid hot she's like legit hot she doesn't need to go she's paris hot man yeah she doesn't need to go with fucking evil john lithgow and hang out on the planetoid (laughs) like she could make something of herself somewhere else
0: yeah
1: i don't know like that's not fun that's not fun in the shimoda sense but it's just shimoda in the confusing behavior sense to me
0: that's Yeah, that is the basis upon which this episode is getting its Shimotas awarded.
1: Right, right. Technical Shimoda. What do we got cooking on next week's episode, Ben? Uh,
0: next week's episode is Conspiracy. Captain Picard and Commander Riker travel to Earth to investigate a conspiracy in the highest ranks of Starfleet Command. They
1: go to chew gum and blow up people's heads, <laughs> and they're all out of chewing gum. Yeah man. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited for this episode. I've been yeah. when we hatched the idea of doing a podcast about Star Trek the Next Generation, this was the episode I was thinking of.
0: Nice. Well, wow. I will I will see you on the other side unless you have some some uh reactions, some critic reactions to to throw at me.
1: I god, I'm not interested. I I utterly do not care about Yeah. any reaction. However, Uh, I do want to read a couple of these clips because I think they might offer a nice counterbalance to our excitement. (laughs) Uh, One reviewer gave it a score of 4 out of 10. That that guy is clearly like the Russian judge at the Olympics. (laughs) Uh, Certain parts of the plot were idiotic, and the admirals reminded him of a Bond villain convention. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's not... That's not super off the mark, there. I could Neither
0: see that. of neither of those are crazy things to say. <laughs> no,
1: no, but but other people are calling it a definite high point in the first season, and I would be inclined to agree. It wouldn't take much, but this one, <laughs> this one definitely is up there.
0: Yeah, I remember this as being super fun to watch. So yeah, it's good let's get to it. Uh, let's uh, let's adjourn so that you know we can we can watch that next episode. And make a podcast about it for next week's "The Greatest Generation."
1: Let's do it. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, as always, we're on Twitter. I'm at Cut for
0: Time, and I'm at Benjamin R.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot to our uh, to our DJ who has made our both our theme music and our inter- interstitial music. He's Dark Materia. You can find the card song. On both his website and about a thousand others, go yeah. get it.
0: Just Google the card Song, and uh, you'll find it. Yeah, great show, Ben. We'll be back at you next time with another great Next Generation episode. Another terrible, the Greatest Generation episode. I've been Ben Harrison.
1: I've been Adam Pranica. See you. Bye.